Hi, y'all. Wilmot George from CI's tax retirement and state planning team with you today. For our podcast this month, I get the opportunity to talk about long-term care and the principal residence exemption. A hat tip goes out to a client in the Ottawa area who asked a question on this topic at an investor event. The question spurred discussion here at CI and two new articles on the topic is the result. Now, according to 2016 census data, 6.8% of Canadians aged 65 or older live in nursing homes or residences for seniors. The proportion jumps to 30% among Canadians aged 85 and older. So there are many Canadians who leave their principal residence and move to a long-term care facility for a number of reasons. Many of these Canadians would like to know if the principal residence exemption will be available to shelter their home from tax on future sale or at the time of death. Now to recap, the principal residence exemption, which shelters a home from capital gains tax on sale, is available for a given year when the owner or spouse, common law partner, former spouse or common law partner or child of any age ordinarily inhabits the home and no other property is claimed as a principal residence by the family unit. Family unit normally consists of a spouse, common law partner, or the owner's minor child. When the owner, spouse, or child ceases to occupy the home, access to the exemption normally ceases, resulting in taxes payable going forward. So for clarity, let's look at an example uh, involving Tracy. Tracy, age 72, recently moved to a nursing home after the death of her spouse, Kent. Because of a recent illness, Tracy has restricted mobility and requires consistent, ongoing care to meet day-to-day needs. It's not known if she'll be able to return to her home in the future. Now, for 40 years, Tracy and Kent jointly owned and lived in their home, a home that Tracy does not want to sell right away. So she decides to rent it to a non-related third party, which creates an additional income for her for her increased health care costs. The question Tracy has, though, is, assuming she's not able to return to her home, would the principal residence exemption shelter her home from tax on a future sale? Whether Tracy will be considered to ordinarily inhabit her home while in the nursing home is a question of fact. If in a given year her stay in the nursing home is considered temporary in nature, it's likely that the ordinarily inhabited requirement will be met for that year provided no significant changes to the home are made to convert it to an income-producing property. On the other hand, if her stay in the nursing home is considered permanent, the ordinarily inhabited requirement would likely not be met, meaning taxation of gains going forward. Details to consider in determining whether the stay is temporary or permanent include, among others, Trace's intentions when she moves into the nursing home, her diagnosis and potential for recovery, her ability to care for herself independently, and the terms of the agreement with her third-party renter. If the facts of the case suggest that Tracy's move is temporary, the principal residence exemption would likely continue to be available as she'd still be considered to inhabit her home even if she earns incidental rental income. On the other hand, if her stay in a nursing home is permanent, a change in use of the property would be deemed to occur for the year the property became a rental property 
resulting in a deemed sale and repurchase at that time and taxation for the period going forward. Because Tracy and before his death, Kent occupied the property as the principal residence each year until its change in use, the principal residence exemption would normally shelter the property from tax until that time. Thereafter, given that the property will be rented to third party and not occupied by a family member, if the property appreciates in value, future gains would normally be subject to tax upon sale or Tracy's death. Now, taking this a step further, as opposed to renting to third party, what if Tracy's home is rented to a child or a child and non-related roommates? How would this impact the principal residence exemption? As mentioned earlier, there is flexibility to claim the principal residence exemption when a child inhabits a home owned by a parent. This is the case regardless of rent charge, fair market value or otherwise. So if Tracy rents her home to her child, regardless of the amount charged, Tracy would normally continue to be eligible for the principal residence exemption until sale or at death. However, if a child and non-related roommates jointly occupy Tracy's home, each paying fair market value rent, the availability of the principal residence exemption would depend on the facts of the case. Normally, CRA's practice is to consider that an entire property retains principal residence exemption status when the property is primarily used as a principal residence and is used only incidentally to produce income. No structural changes are made to the property and no depreciation or CCA, capital cost allowance, is claimed for the property. If one or more of these criteria are not met, only the portion used for personal use will be allowed as a principal residence. In other words, where a child occupies a property jointly with non-related roommates, each paying fair market value rent, an argument can be made that the property is no longer being used primarily as a principal residence, compromising, in part, the principal residence exemption. This means the portion of the home used by the child may continue to be sheltered from tax, whereas the portion used by the child's roommates may be subject to tax depending on the circumstances. So to conclude, the availability of the principal residence exemption after a move to a long-term care facility depends on the circumstances. If a spouse, partner, or child will occupy the home during this period, the exemption may very well continue to be available. For more information on this topic, see our two white papers, Long-Term Care and the Principal Residence Exemption, Parts 1 and 2, available on our website, or contact your CI sales team for access. This concludes our podcast for today. Thanks very much for your time, and have yourselves a great day. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment.